Kia here, welcome back to A Little Bit Richer. Property is such a big thing for Brits. It can be so difficult to get on a property ladder, but sometimes it feels like everyone else is moving into their beautiful new home, well, judging by the Instagram posts anyway. But if you don't own your own home, are you actually behind in your financial journey? Is it a good time to buy right now? And what are some of the things that you can do to help make the buying process a little easier? With me to discuss all of this and more is Tayo Ogutunade, a mortgage broker, property expert, investor and influencer. Okay, so Tayo, property prices are high and mortgage rates have really rocketed. So is buying a house now still a good idea? Have to chuckle at first, right? And it's so (laughs) funny, when you were doing the intro and saying all of those questions, right? It literally felt like you were reading my DMs. (laughs) Those are all of the questions I get. So it's great that we're addressing that today. I think the first thing to acknowledge is that it's incredibly difficult for all aspiring first-time buyers right now. I mean, we look at the last three years or so, right? The beginning of the pandemic, you could put down a 5% deposit. All of a sudden, in a matter of days, that was tripled to 15%. When they actually went back to 5% again, all of a sudden house prices were shooting up because they introduced stamp duty holiday, mortgage payment holiday and things like that. And then when house prices actually started slowing down up to today, we saw that mortgage rates were increasing rapidly as well. So it's really, really been a tough time and it feels like they've been pulled from pillar to post. And I guess the first thing to acknowledge is that, yes, it is a very, very difficult time for first time buyers right now. But I would say that if it is your goal to own your own property and buy your first property, you can still buy right now. It is still possible. And I always say that you shouldn't try and time the market If you can afford it, and what I mean by afford is afford to buy the house and afford the monthly payments on a long-term basis, and it is one of your goals, definitely go ahead in my opinion. I think that's a really good point that you make. I think it is, if you try and time it, it's always not quite the right time. So it is just like you said, getting in there. If you're ready and you can afford it, jumping in and doing it. Absolutely. So there's been some research done recently by Legal in General that has found This year, financial support is more important than ever. Over two thirds of London homeowners received financial support from family or friends. So I'm going to ask you, is it impossible if you don't have any financial help from friends or family? It's not impossible. However, we cannot ignore the numbers and the research, right? I love numbers. I love any kind of research. Do why? Because numbers have no opinion. Yeah. So you just have to acknowledge them and we have to take them for what they are, basically. And those numbers are basically saying that there's a reason why so many people are leaning on family or leaning on siblings or friends or colleagues and buying with someone or getting financial assistance from someone. And that's because it is becoming increasingly more difficult because I guess if you buy by yourself, A lot of the time, first-time buyers feel that they do have to sacrifice something. And I'll I'll come on to that. But what I would say is that whatever people think about financial assistance, a lot of the time they do often think about the bank of mum and dad. And when people think about the bank of mum and dad, they always think that, look, they've come from an ultra-wealthy family. But that's not often the case. And this is why platforms like Bricks with Tips are made and platforms like your own in this podcast, right? Because education is key, right? And a lot of people are using that financial assistance, but it stems from education. So if I paint a scenario, there might be somebody who has a job and they earn £30,000 and they're working towards a promotion that will pay them £40,000. However, they know that they're going to get that promotion in maybe the next two or three years, effectively. And they've been doing research on what it takes to buy a property. They know that even at £40,000, they still won't be able to afford the property. 
that they want to buy effectively because they know that lenders will lend a certain amount times their income. Also, via being educated, what they do know is that, hold on, my sister earns 30k as well. If we combine our salaries, mm. it's 60,000 pounds. And that education allows people to act early, basically. What we're kind of experiencing at the moment is that a lot of people just don't know. So they kind of just like pull the wool over their eyes and they're like, it's difficult. They listen to the media. It's impossible. And they don't take any action. And then just to touch on what you said about, um, is it impossible, right? It is still possible to do it without financial assistance. But there are things that you'll, you may have to sacrifice. So maybe that's moving a little bit further out. Maybe that is opting for a two-bedroom flat rather than your dream of a three-bedroom house, effectively. So, yeah, I definitely do think that it is still possible. But in some cases, there may be an element of sacrifice. I think I love the point that you made about just learning and understanding. I think it is, yeah, knowing what can you do with the money that I've got, the money that I'm on, the money that I've saved. What can I realistically afford? I think that's the key word, realistically. Absolutely. Because like you said, I think... Everyone dreams about their first home being a mansion somewhere. But realistically, your budget may not stretch to that. So I think that is a key point. I want to go off the back of something that you said. Let's talk about maybe buying with someone then. Because I've spoken to people who have bought with family. And I think that's probably a bit more common. But then what about people buying with friends? What would you say, is that a good way to look at to Maybe people rally their friends together and say, let's buy property together. Or people look at their siblings. Yeah, I definitely do think it's a, a, a good way to go, but you have to put certain things in place, right? I think that a lot of people are scared of it because buying a property is a long-term commitment. However, in this day and age, renting is a long-term commitment, especially if you're renting in places like London, because a lot of the time you can't just jump around because renting in London is incredibly expensive. And every single time you change where you're renting, there is a cost attached to that as well, effectively. So I do think that that is something to consider. I guess when you are buying, you are building equity over time, whether that's you paying down your mortgage or depending on the market, the property increasing in value effectively. And there are pros and cons of buying and renting that we can balance against each other. But in the main, biased I will be, (laughs) (laughs) buying is probably what you want to do just to ensure ensure that you're building that equity and you've got more um, freedom to do what you want with your property. So buying with friends, buying with siblings, I am in support of it. I think it can allow people to achieve the goal that they're looking at. Okay, well, we never know. We might have some siblings or some friends after hearing this banding together to buy a house, which would be lovely to hear, wouldn't it? Right, so we're going to come on to, let's assume that our listeners have decided that buying a house is what's right for them. That's the right decision for them. What options slash schemes are available to make that goal more achievable for them? Right, so there are quite a few options and schemes and some that people know about and some that people don't know about. The ones that people probably know about the most are government schemes. Um, So, for example, some of the two most popular ones are shared ownership. So I always give the example, shared ownership is effective. You you buying a share of a property and renting the rest of the property. So a really easy um, scenario is that there's a, in London, there's a flat that's £400,000. You can buy a 25% share of that flat, which means that you buy 100k of that flat effectively and you rent the remaining three quarters of that flat effectively. The reason why it's popular is because it's got really, really low start startup costs. You don't need to put a huge amount down because in actual fact, when you're buying that 25% share at 100k, 
you can put down a deposit as low as 5%, which means that you can put down £5,000 mm. to live in a 400k flat. So naturally, that's going to get a lot of attention. Another scheme that a lot of people know about is right to buy. That's when you can buy your the council flat that you live in if you've lived in there for three years or more effectively. There are some government schemes that are lesser known. For example, there's one called First Home Scheme where you can get between 30 and 50% off your first home. Uh, there's another one called Help to Build because Help to Buy no longer exists. So Help to Build can actually help you finance the land and the build of a self-build property which is really really interesting and then another one that a lot of people don't know is that there are actually some schemes that are offered by lenders first of all and definitely have a look and check those out and also home builders as well because there is an incentive for them to sell their homes that's really good to hear you share all those different schemes because i think sometimes as a first-time buyer it is overwhelming anyway for anyone trying to buy a property but especially if you're trying to understand what's going to work for you knowing that there's so many options out there it's just finding the right one for you. Maybe it's shared ownership, maybe it's first homes, maybe it's something else. But I think it is good to know. And I think one of my favourite schemes, which isn't necessarily for buying, but do you know what I'm going to say? What scheme I'm going to say? I know what you're going to say. What am I going to say? Uh, it begins with L. It does. And it ends with ISA. It does. <laughs> you got it back on. My favourite scheme is the Lifetime ISA because... It's just a great savings vehicle. Yep. So for anyone who doesn't know, the Lifetime ISR is a savings vehicle and it superseded the Help to Buy ISR, which closed, I think, in 2019. Yep. And you can use that to save for your first house. So you put money in there up to £4,000 per tax year and you can keep saving that money. The government will put 25% on top of anything that you save up until that amount. And you can use that towards your deposit. It's also important to note you have to have it open for at least a year before you can use it. But it is a great way to save money and get free money. That's always my my thing. Anytime we can get some extra money yep. towards our financial goals, yep. I'm all for it. And the Lifetime ISA is a great way to do that from the government. So I think all of those schemes combined, there is a lot of hope yes. for anyone listening when it comes to buying a first property. Absolutely. And to add to what you said about the Lifetime ISA, the difference between Lifetime ISA and all of those other schemes is that with the Lifetime ISA, it can be applied to property. Any property. Exactly that. So that's really, really nice, the flexibility of that. Yeah, I love that. Right. So to wrap up then, with property in mind, I'm going to ask you the question I ask all of our guests. What are the three quick tips that you'd recommend to our listeners to help them get a little bit richer? With property in mind, getting a little bit richer. Okay, cool. I'm big on education, right? Knowing what you're doing is key effectively. So my first tip is speak to a mortgage broker. Um, in the property space, a lot of things aren't free, right? Getting a survey done isn't free. Getting a valuation done isn't free. Getting a quote from an architect isn't free. However, a mortgage broker will actually speak to you for free. And it's very, very rare that you can get such a tailored and one-to-one -one service for free in any other industry. A mortgage broker will assess your current situation and tell you what you can and can't do. My second tip, go on viewings, whether they're virtual viewings or viewings in person. I think that one mistake that a lot of people make is that they fix their credit, they save their money and they get their salary up. And then they've been doing that for two or three years. And then the problem is, is that they spend nine months after that working out what type of property they want. And while they're working that out, their budget is going all over the place as well. Find out what you like in a property. Find out what you love. Find out what you hate find out what you're willing to compromise on. That way you know exactly how much money you need because you know the type of property you want in what area. It goes to education as well, right? Wherever you consume any of your content, whether you're on Twitter, whether you're on Instagram, whether you use YouTube, or maybe you read print, just curate everything that you do and 
make it property focused effectively you'll pick up new tips you'll pick up new ways to overcome challenges that you're actually facing because one of the key things is and you alluded to it um, a bit earlier when we were speaking is that once you know about all of these different schemes the key thing is that you can now apply it to your personal situation you gave some great tips and i think the key takeaways that i pull from this episode is one education is key yeah so make sure you research you understand what you're looking to get into when it comes to buying a property and two that there is hope you know, it may seem a bit bleak. Things are going up in price and not seem to come down, but there is still hope. And if you want to get a property radar, it isn't as impossible as it may seem. So thank you so much, Tayo, for coming on. This has been a great episode. So that's a little bit Richard's first foray into the huge topic that is property. I'll be back to this a little bit later in the series too. It's worth noting that, as of all things to do with interest rates and house buying, it's always worth double-checking if things have changed before you make any big decisions. This episode is all about taking control of your property buying journey, but unfortunately, financial freedom isn't always a given. So next week is a particularly important episode as I'll be exploring what financial abuse is and how to recognise the signs of it around you. Be sure to check back next week for that. And in the meantime, follow the podcast if you aren't already. Bye.